out your message notes. Today I want to talk about finding purpose in work. Finding purpose in work. Now, work is a normal part of our lives, each and every one of us. Uh, we have the opportunity to work. So whether you like it or whether you don't, we all have jobs. Can I get an amen? And, and, and even if you don't have a job that you get paid to do, you still have responsibilities, things that God has entrusted you with. And so for us this morning, how do we find the purpose in what we're called to do? How do we find this purpose in the responsibilities that God has given to us, especially since work represents so much of our lifetime? Now, did you know, according to psychology today, that we spend more than 90,000 hours at work, 90,000 hours at work. That's 3,750 days, which equates to 10.2 years in your lifetime. How many know we need to find some purpose in our work? If it's going to take that much of our time, and it does, then we've got to know a few things, and I want to talk about that. The first thing is, we've got to know that you were built to work, that you were built to work. God didn't call us to go sit on a couch and lay around and to lounge around with our lives. That on the very inside of you, God's design was that you would go out and that you would produce. That your life would have responsibilities. And because you fulfill those responsibilities, a product is produced. Environments are produced. People's lives are touched and changed. God built us for work. We see this at the very beginning of man's existence in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. When God is speaking about Adam, he says, The Lord God took the man who, Adam, his creation, and he put him in the Garden of Eden to work it. Everybody say, work it. Say it again, say, work it. Now, you got to talk back to me today, just like you'd be yelling at the TV with the Texans. That's right, or the Cowboys, or... However you want to. So, so he said, listen, he put him there so that he would work it and that he would take care of it. So if you think about this, God really gave Adam a job, a J-O, come on, some responsibilities. But didn't you notice, listen, he didn't just say go and, he want, just go and lounge around. No, I want you to produce something. I want you to take care of this garden and help it grow and to be fruitful. And we've got to know this, that before God gave uh, Adam Eve, he gave him a responsibility. So this command, this, this scripture actually comes before God took a rib out of his side and gave him the woman. So before the relationship, he gave responsibility. He said, listen, it's important that you have something to do with your hands, that you're producing something with your life, that you're out there cultivating and nurturing what I have created. Such an interesting thing. More than relationship for us to produce and then have great relationships we're called to be responsible. And in our lives today in society, listen, the greatest tragedy that we have is we're raising up young men and women that have no idea that God built them to work. They want to do everything to get out of work. And as a church, we've got to raise up young men, young women that say, God built me to work. God built me to produce. And even us sitting here today, how many know there is great value in hard work? There's great value in producing something that God would have us to produce. So whether you're an employee or an employer, see, employees, your employer hired you so that you would have great customer service. I mean, no, that's something we don't get a lot of today. I was going to tell you a personal story, but it wasn't a good story. 
I was thinking, my goodness, can we just get a little bit of customer service? And we know this, that in your job as an employee, whether you like it or not, whether you're happy or not, whether you like the people that walk through the doors or not, that God called you to be there to be a reflection of his glory to the people you come in contact with. And when you know that, it's like, well, okay, I, God, I'm going to be nice. I mean, just being nice goes a long way. Having a smile goes a long way. And your employer hired you so that you would produce quality product and to impact people's lives in a profound way so that they'll come back. And then some of you, maybe you're an employer, you've got employees. Did you know that God gave you a responsibility that your job would be a reflection of God? That your responsibility is to take care of your employees, to take care of the shareholders or the stockholders or the people that you are responsible to. And that the customers, when they come in and experience your place that you created from the very beginning, that you built from scratch, they would say, surely this company is different. Why? Because God is in the middle of it. You can be at stay home at mom. You know, you say, well, listen, I, I don't have a job. I don't get paid to do this. No, you got the greatest responsibility of us all to raise godly kids, to teach them, to raise them up, to train them up, and to help make sure that the home functions the way God created it to function. We all have responsibilities. Can I get an amen? And listen, those responsibilities give us purpose. And the minute we lose our purpose, many times we lose our lives. There's been lots of studies that have been done over people when they retire. How does retirement impact their health? How does when they retire impact the longevity of their life? And there was a study that was published by WebMD. It's a study that was done on the Shell Oil Company and its employees. Look at what it found. It followed people that were heading into retirement, and it followed two different groups of people, those that retired at the age of 55, and then it followed those that retired at the age of 65. Now, here's something very interesting that they found out. People who retired at the age of 55 were 89% more likely to die within 10 years after retirement versus those who retired at the age of 65. So in other words, 89% of the people who retired at the age of 55, they died before they reached the age of 65. And this, check this out, 11% of those who retired at the age of 65 died before the age of 75. Well, why is that? Because many times work gives us purpose. And that as people, it's not about us lounging around and doing nothing. It's about God help me find purpose. God help me discover why you created me, that what I'm doing adds value and has purpose. And in doing that, God gives us extra life. It gives health to our bodies and our bones. Why? Because you were created to work. Reminds me of a story of an elderly carpenter. He was ready to retire, and he told his employer of his plans to leave the home building business, and so he wanted to spend more time with his family and his friends, and contractor was sorry to see him go because he was such a great worker, but as a favor, he asked the carpenter, he said, listen, would you build one last house for me? And the carpenter said, sure, I'll do it, but it didn't take long for him to see that his heart was not in his work. He resorted to shoddy workmanship. He began to use inferior materials. He cut corners. It was an unfortunate way for this carpenter to end his career. 
And when the home was completed, the contractor asked the carpenter to meet him there. And standing at the front door, the contractor handed the carpenter the keys to the house. He said, this is your home. You've built it for yourself. It's not what you build. It's the way you build it. So the question is, what kind of a life are you building? What kind of a life are you building? The quality of your work matters. The quality of your work matters. No matter what you do, whether you like it, whether you don't, wherever you're at in your life, listen, the quality of what you're building absolutely matters. Sometimes we can buy this lie like, I'll do good when I love it. I'll do good when it's what I was created for. Can I tell you there are seasons in your life that you do things that are outside of your skill set, things that you don't love, things that you're not excited about. It's not about what you're doing. It's the way you do it. Will I do everything I can where I'm at to bring God glory? Look at Colossians 3.23. I love this verse. It says, whatever you do, work at it with some of your heart. No, no, it didn't. Okay, so whatever you do, do it with a little bit. No, with all of your heart. Now, isn't it interesting here? God doesn't talk about the what you do. He talks about the way you do it. He didn't say, well, if you do this, then, then it'll be all. No, no, it's, it's whatever. Everybody say whatever. Yeah. Say it again. Say whatever. Yeah. So God never talks about the what. He always talks about the how, that you do it with all of your heart as working for the Lord, not for man. So no matter where you're at, many times we can say, well, I'm not going to produce a great quality product because my boss doesn't deserve it. That company isn't worth it. No, baby, you're not there working for the company. You're working for God. It ain't about your boss. It's about God. I'm convinced the enemy wants to distract us and talk to us in our heads saying, well, it's about the perfect job. It's, it's about being in the right place. No, no. Wherever you're at, you got to dig roots. you got to plant deep. That it's all about your perspective. God, I'm going to give you everything. That it's about your attitude that determines your altitude. That, God, I'm going to have the right heart. That, God, it doesn't matter if I love it, if I don't. See, you can always find something bad with where you're at. I mean, you can have the perfect job, and if you're not careful, it won't take long for you to hate that thing that God blessed you with. You know what I'm talking about? That, that job you were praying for through the 21 days of prayer, the job that you said, God, if you'll give me a job, God, if you'll help me, God, if you'll bless me, and then all of a sudden, God hears your prayers, answers you, you got the job, and a couple of months later, you're like, I hate this job. I can't stand the people. It's not what I thought it would be. Well, is it the job or is it you? And sometimes we get into this mode where I'm going to the next place. I'm telling us this. We need to dig roots in the place that God has us and then recognize that at God's time, he'll promote us because promotion doesn't come from man, but from God alone. Psalm 75 says that, that it's not about men promoting you, but God promotes us. We've got to be careful about our mentality. We've got to be careful about the way we think about our jobs. There's really three types of mentalities or mindsets when it comes to work. First one is this. It's a job mindset. Like it's the paycheck mentality. And I would say this is probably where most people live. It's I'm going to do a service. I'm going to provide some work and you give me a paycheck. 
It's like the owner of a company who tells his employees, listen, you worked really, really hard this year, and uh, the profits for our company, they've increased dramatically, and as a reward, I'm going to write every single one of you a check for $5,000. So he does it. He writes them all a check for $5,000, and the employees, they're thrilled, they're excited, they're elated. And then he goes on and he says this, and if you work with the same zeal, the same passion, and we see the same results, next year I'll sign those checks. Wow, it's a job mentality. Just give me my paycheck. Well, there's another mentality, and that's the career mindset. Listen, what I do is going to advance me into the future. I'm building a career, and I'm going to add to my title and to my influence and to my power, and I'm going to have more staff and more people, and it's a career mindset. It's okay. It's a, it's a career mindset. The third one is what they call a purpose mindset, and this is where a person looks outwardly. They focus on serving others. There's personal purpose, and it aligns with their professional purpose. There's something about I'm looking towards other people. It's the external. It's not just what I can get, but it's about what I can give. And as a Christian, we've got to live with this purpose mentality. Like it, love it, hate it. I've got a purpose for where I'm at, and I choose to live out my purpose and to make a difference. You've got to come alive with that. You've got to uncover the value in your work. The value in your work. You've got to say, listen, God, it doesn't matter where I'm at, but you brought value through me to the place where I am employed. I believe this, that most people are unhappy because they don't understand the value in where they're at. They don't understand the value in their work. In fact, statistics show that over 52% of people that are employed are unsatisfied and dissatisfied with their place of employment. I would venture to say this, happiness, satisfaction, most of that comes from the fact that you found purpose in your job. That your job is significant, that your job has value. Did you know no, no matter how low you think your job is or how great your job is, there is value and purpose in everything that we do. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. God has a plan for us. God has called us as Christians especially to go out and have purpose in what we're doing in life. Look at what it says. It says, you are the salt of the earth. Everybody say salt. Say, I'm a little salty. I don't mean it the negative way. <laughs> She's like, he is, he is salty. But what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It'll be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You're the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. In the same way, look, he talked about salt and light. In the same way, let your good deeds, everybody say good deeds, shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Everyone will praise, so, so that your life is like the salt and the light. And really, when you look at salt, salt was extremely valuable in the ancient times. In fact, the Romans would many times pay their soldiers in salt. It's where we get that saying, uh, he's not worth his salt. And so salt was a very valuable commodity. Can I tell you, as a Christian, you're a very valuable commodity to your place of employment. 
As a business owner, you're a very valuable commodity to the business world. Why? Because you display God's glory everywhere you go, what you say and what you do. You preserve God's goodness in society. You're the ones that infiltrate culture, the culture of your job, the culture of your environment, everywhere you go. And so God sees great value in your life as a Christian. That you'd go out and say, hey, listen, God, I'm going to preserve your goodness. That when they see me, they would see your goodness. Now, here's something that's interesting, too. As we studied this out, there are theologians that not only believed that salt meant table salt, like you sprinkle it or you preserve food, and you know that was one thing. But there are theologians that believe the salt here was referred to the salt that was used in fertilizer. So the interesting thing with that perspective is this, that fertilizer is there to make something grow. So if that was the case, which I think they're both applicable, that means you're like the fertilizer in your place of employment, that your job, whatever you touch, God wants it to grow. Think about that. Someone said, oh, I wouldn't take that job. I couldn't do anything with it. Well, baby, that's okay. I got the power of God on the inside of me. He called me to fertilize this place of employment. And then what will happen is you say, it ain't about me. Yeah, nobody wants that job. Oh, I'll take that job. Why? Because I know this, that as I bring God glory, as I do what he's called me to do, nobody can hold me down. God will elevate me to where I believe he's called me to be. Fertilizer, think about it. You're called, so, so if that's the case, which I think they're both applicable, God's called you to cause your place of employment to grow. They ought to say, man, we've never done so well except for the fact that you've been here. What's the reason? Why are we doing so good? You say, oh, there's a God in heaven. In fact, we got a great church. Why don't you come on to the church? Let me introduce you to some people. Let me introduce you to God. Why? Because God called you to create things to grow. God, let it grow. God, let it grow. Let us fertilize the places that we're at. So if we understand that's the value of what God has put inside of me and placed me there, it's not about having the perfect job, but about finding purpose in your job. Not about the perfect job. Just find the purpose in your job. The purpose. God, I'm going to make it grow. I'm going to make it better. So whether you're at work or whether you're here at the church, you've got to find your purpose. That's what I love about Next Steps. Now, you know, here at the church, we built uh, our, our whole structure around Next Steps. And you hear me talk about it often. The reason we do it is because we understand the value of finding purpose that God created you with, that God gave you a personality, God gave you spiritual giftings. And if you'll uncover that, then it'll give you a clear picture of what God is calling you to do. We believe that design reveals destiny. So how God designed you, how God fashioned you, how God formed you. And so we created these next steps. There's four weeks. I promise you this. You give me four weeks and we'll help you uncover your purpose. It happens after every service, immediately following the service. It's out the door to your right, my left, and we provide lunch and child care. And you hear us talking about it and talking about it. Why? Because we know the power of discovered purpose. They say, God, okay, I understand how you made me, how you designed me. We see it all the time with people that are serving here in the dream team. How many love our dream team? They do a great job. 
I mean, it's absolutely amazing. We have hundreds of, of men and women and teenagers and even some of the kids that get here each and every week and set it up. They set up the stage. They get here at 6 a.m. And, you know, I've had tons of people ask me, how do you guys set it up? Like, like, like we have a real trouble or a real struggle getting people to even show up to greet at the door. How do you get all this done? And I tell church planners and I tell pastors all the time, the key is we're not just trying to get people to work. We're getting people to serve in their gifts that when people love to work with their hands, did you know a lot of men, you have what they call the spiritual gift of craftsmanship. What does that mean? That means you love to work with your hands. Like don't ask me to greet. Don't ask me to do administration, but let me put together some trust. Let me move some boxes. Let me put out some pipe and drape and I'll come alive. Why? Because that is your spiritual gift. It's a grace gift that God gave you. And when you help people uncover that, it ain't a job, it's a ministry. Did you know that it's all about God? I'm serving you out of what you created me with. It's amazing. They'll come alive. And uh, there was a story this last week of Joel Burris. I don't know if he's in here. I, I, I don't know if he's in this service. And they were telling the story of him uh, last week, Pastor Jackie, who's over all of our dream team, was just bragging on him. He's out there uh, greeting people. He's part of the greeter ministry, and he's out there shaking hands, giving hugs, helping people get to the right places. And Pastor Jackie just said, hey, you know, Joel, I just want to say thank you so much for, for loving the people. Like it's in your eyes and your face, and he's alive. And just how many have ever had him shake your hand? It's, there's contagious, it's smiles, and he told her this, and this is the amazing part. He said, listen, Pastor Jackie, this is easy. I was made for this. I was made for this. And what you realize is that every one of you were made for a purpose. And I can't help your employment, but I can help you here at the church. I can make sure that if you hate your job in the week, you come here during the weekends and you come alive. Why? Because God has a purpose and a design and a plan for you. And when you find that, you come alive. He created you for a purpose and with a purpose. Discovered purpose unlocks passion. Discovered purpose unlocks passion. Discovered purpose. Doesn't do you any good if you don't discover how and why God made you. Give us a couple of weeks. Come and discover that. Then the last thing is this. You know, finding purpose in work. You got to know this faithfulness produces fruitfulness. Faithfulness produces fruitfulness. Faithfulness produces fruitfulness. God loves it when we work hard. He ain't afraid of us working hard. He wants us to be faithful in hard work. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 11 says this. A hard worker has plenty of food, but a person who chases fantasy has no sense. Hard work. Hard work. The God, you designed me to work hard. God, you designed me to give everything I've got. God, you designed me on the inside that no matter where you planted me, that God, I'm going to do the thing you put me to do in this season of life. You know, let me tell you a little something. When I was a young boy, I was about 14 years old. And it was an interesting thing. Uh, my parents were raised in, uh, I was raised in restaurants. They had restaurants my whole life. And so, you know, we used to bus tables. I remember we were probably about seven or eight years old in Louisiana. My dad had a restaurant by Louisiana Downs. It's called the Boondocks. Isn't that right, Pops? Boondocks. And I never forget, you know, it's like someone doesn't show up, 
Oh, my son will get back there. <laughs> That's cheap labor. We get back there. We wash dishes. Why? Because as a family, we're going to make it together. We're not going to make it. We get back there. We'd work hard and we'd wash dishes. And I remember I was about 14 years old and, you know, I, I needed some money. I went to mom and said, hey, mom, I need some money. She said, baby, you need a job. <laughs> Come on, get a J-O-B. And uh, probably some of that was built out of the fact that she knew I could always work at the restaurant and something I knew was something I was raised in. And I remember Steve and I just talking. We'd been going to church for a little while and there was uh, a man, his name was Henry Labrie. He owned a construction company and they poured concrete and I remember just building a relationship with him and he used to always say, hey, Jim, if you need a job, you can come get a job with me. And I just remember thinking, well, I don't really want to do restaurants. That's what I've always done. And so Steve and I got the big idea. We're like, hey, we're going to go work for Brother Henry. Like, we're going to go be men. We're going to go, you know, yeah, we're going to dig it out ourselves. And anybody lay concrete? Anybody? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. So we're like, man, how hard could it be? I mean, come on. So we get there at 7 a.m. And I didn't even know you'd wake up at 7 a.m. I was used to sleeping at 9 or 10 and Saturday mornings, and so mom said, okay, but listen, the only deal is you get this job, you know, you're going to have to stick it out. Oh, mom, it's no big deal, and we went to work, and I mean, you're talking about a kid that, I mean, I didn't work too hard. The restaurants are hard. I, I thought I was a hard worker, and then I started doing the construction thing and digging ditches, and how many know when you do this for about eight to ten hours, your back hurts no matter how old you are, you, you know? Tying steel and out in the sun. And listen, I want to give some mad props to all of our construction workers. Those of you that give your, your time and your talent. This is no way minimizing that. What you have to understand is my top spiritual gift, because I've been to next steps. My top spiritual gift is administration. Now, an administrator has no business on the construction field. <laughs> I didn't know it back then, but I mean, you give me organization and spreadsheets, and that's just how my mind works. But, but what I realized was I could still do this whether I was called to do it or not. But at the end of our first day, Steve and I looked at each other. We're like, we're idiots. Like, why are we doing Let's go back to the restaurant where there's AC and mom and daddy will love on us and pamper us and pat us on the back and say how good you did. Brother Henry never said how good you did. He'd be like, brother, that's all you can do? I'm 14. <laughs> That's it. That's all you got. And I'll never forget coming home saying, Mom, we quit. And, and Mom just smiled. She's like, go take your bath, son. Mom, I'm serious. We're quitting. She said, baby, we don't quit. Kyle's don't quit. We ain't quitters. And Steve and I are like, oh, my gosh. So we go back next Saturday. Oh, no, she got us up the next Saturday. We went back. And you know what happened? We quit again. <laughs> and the next Saturday, you know what happened? We quit again. And four years later, we had parents that just said, no, you're going to do it. You're gonna... And you know what happened? You know, it wasn't my spiritual gift. And I'm telling you this because I believe someone needs to hear this. You think it's the job that's the problem. You maybe are outside of your strength set, maybe not your spiritual gifting, not your personality. Can I tell you this? God works so much character inside of this 14-year-old boy that it shaped who I am today. We listened to Mama Joyce Myers back on the, the cassette tapes. How many remember the cassette tapes? You youngins, I don't know if you even know what the cassette tape is. 
And we had that shockproof one. You know, it's like all the, just the, fast forward to the next song and all the Walkmans. And every day I just said, God, I, I, I'll never forget one day I was digging a ditch and there wasn't anybody really standing around. And, and I had the mentality, that's good enough. Anybody, you know, that's good enough. And I felt like the Holy Spirit said, that ain't good enough for me. I didn't need somebody to breathe down my neck. The, the, God himself was talking to me about this ditch that I'm digging brings him glory when I do it with all my heart. And so here's what we got to know. Listen, your job is your assignment from God to show the world how great he is. How are we doing in our assignment? Oh, it's not my, it's not my gifts. No, no, no. God knows it's not your gift. Look, it took me 35 years of my life to get to the place where I love my job all the time. And even then, there's things I don't like about it. I mean, there's things about everything, you know. I, you know, you just, you say, God, I'm going to be faithful here. God, I'm going to dig roots here. God, I'm going to be the fertilizer here. God, I'm going to let them see you preserve your goodness in this place. And then they're going to say, well, how did you make it grow? Because God is faithful. That's what brings God glory. And I promise you this, Psalm 75, promotion doesn't come from man, but from God alone. You do that, and, and here's the amazing thing. Your heart shifts. God, I do it with all my heart. And that's where he got with the construction. How'd you make it four years? By the end of it, I'm like, God, I don't care. You, I'll dig manure. I'll do whatever it takes, because I don't work for people. I work for you. I believe you called me to travel the world. I believe you called me to preach. God, you put dreams inside of me. But if this is what I do for the rest of my life, I'm going to do it for the rest of my life. And I'm going to bring you glory for the rest of my life.